Well, today we really do want to celebrate uh, our moms, and uh, I thought about it this week, and uh, you know, a lot of churches, they typically do something nice on Mom's Day, like uh, passing out carnations or, you know, something like that, and we're grateful for that. But uh, I just wanted to kind of do something even better than that. And so for all our moms, we have keys waiting for you in the back for your next SUV. Okay? (laughs) Just went crazy to blow the budget. Um, Actually, in just a second, we're going to honor all the moms uh, in this place. And uh, I don't want one of these, go mom, woohoo. I mean, I've been with some of you guys at football games or basketball games or when you talk about uh, your favorite rock band, and you go nuts and crazy, okay? So uh, we're going to ask all the moms here in just a second to stand up. And when they do, I want us to give a huge kind of ovation for them. All right. So you ready for this? Okay. All the moms who are here, um, please stand up. be seated. Now, let me tell you the difference between moms and dads. You saw the moms kind of just hesitantly stand up. Most of them are ready to sit down very, you know, quickly. When we do this on Father's Day, there'll be guys up going, hey, hey, I'm a dad. I know it, you know, that kind of thing. But today we want to kind of recognize a couple of different uh, moms And uh, the first is going to be uh, those who have kind of been the mom for the longest. And uh, the way we're going to do that is, in just a second, all of you who have been a mom for 40 years or longer, uh, I'd like you to stand up. And if you can just stay standing, that'll be good. Now, if you're not sure, what that means is, is that you have a child who's 40 years old, okay? So if you have a 40-year-old child, that's a good thing that you're still a mom, okay? So, uh, or you've been a mom for 40 years. So if you've been a mom for 40 years, please stand up. All right, let's give them a hand. Okay, now what we're going to do is, um, I'm going to just keep increasing the number, and if you're no longer a mom at that age, uh, you can sit down, okay? So if you've been a mom for 45 years, keep standing. Okay, if you've been a mom for 50 years, keep standing. Okay, if you've been a mom for 55 years, keep standing. Okay, if you've been a mom for 60 years, keep standing. If you've been a mom for six, well, let's just ask, how long have you been a mom? 60 years, how long? 61 years, all right. All right, I just hope to be 60 or 61, you know? Okay, the second group is for the mom who's been the mom for the shortest period of time. So if you've been a mom for two years or less, why don't you stand up, okay? Two years or less? 
Okay, let's give them a hand. And the reason is, is because they need sleep. Okay, if, now we're, well, we're going to do the same for you, but we're going to go lower. Okay, if you've been a mom for 18 months or less. Okay, if you've been a mom, holy cow, there we go. You sat up front for, for a reason, didn't you? Congratulations. Let's give her a hand. How, how long? A little over a year, right? Twelve months. All right. Well, we really want to encourage you, kind of like we did today, that you would appreciate your moms. And uh, I realize that we can do this in many different ways. And for some of you, today's a hard day because your mom has died. She's not here, but you can still appreciate her. Or for others of you, um, it might be the fact that, uh, you know, you don't know who your mom is, or maybe you had uh, a hard relationship with your mom. And even with that, you can still appreciate them for the fact that they brought you into this world. And so, regardless of what it is, appreciate your moms today, whether that's with a card or flowers or stocks and bonds, you know, whatever you want to do to kind of do that, uh, we want to encourage you to appreciate them. Well, at this time, we're going to be taking an offering, and uh, I would uh, encourage our uh, greeters to come forward. And uh, if you're visiting with us for the first time, as the bag goes by, just go ahead and put uh, your card in only. Um, we don't want your money. We're more concerned about getting to know you. Um, but this offering is for those who um, value the jar and are learning how to give. Let's pray. Well, God, we thank you for this day, a day in which we celebrate moms, a day in which we celebrate you for all that you give to us. And God, we thank you for the fact that at the jar, God, people have been so generous, and in doing so, we've been able to impact our community in a great way because you have chosen to show up. And God, would you continue to show up and would you help us to know how to give of our resources so that lives in Muncie and Delaware County and all of East Central Indiana can be impacted and changed. We pray this for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall wear the robe and crown, good Lord, show me the way. Oh, mothers, let's go down. Come on down, if you wanna go down. Come on, mothers, let's go down. down well, I guess hard times flush the chumps. Everybody's looking for answers. Enjoy. done washed away all my sins and transgressions. It's a straight and narrow from here on out. And heaven everlasting's my reward. Delbert, what are you talking about? We got bigger fish to fry. The preacher said all my sins is washed away, including that piggly wiggly I knocked over in Yazoo. I thought you said you was innocent of those charges. Well, I was lying. 
And the preacher said that that sin's been washed away too. Neither God nor man's got nothing on me now. Come on in, boys. The water is fine. What a great movie. Anyone know what that movie's called? I knew you would know it. All right. Well, what we want to do today is talk a little bit about um, some of the things that were in that clip. And over the past four weeks, we've been looking at what is maybe one of the best summaries of the Christian faith in uh, a little thing called the Nicene Creed. And uh, it was written in 325 A.D., and it's probably the best summary of what it means uh, to be a follower of Christ what it means to be a Christian. And so today, we're going to kind of attack the last line of it. We've been looking at all the different lines. And today, we're going to look at the last one. And we're going to look at things like baptism and forgiveness and resurrection and the apocalypse. You know, just easy subjects. All in 35 minutes, okay? And uh, are you ready? They're getting better. Good job. Now, this is a little bit of a different teaching for us than typically. Um, So if you're new and this is the first time that you've kind of uh, come, come next week. I promise it'll be better. Okay? But uh, we would encourage you, while you're here, to kind of dig in, and we're going to look at this last line of the Creed. And it says this. It says... We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Now there are three things there that are important. Baptism, forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection. And then the fourth thing, the coming of the world to come. You know, every time I've checked out the stats... This is a true statement. Everyone dies. Every single person eventually dies. I mean, you do not leave this place alive. I don't mean the gym, okay? Some of you are getting nervous. Shut the doors, you know? I mean this place called planet Earth. We all eventually die. Now... With statistics like that of 100%, you would think that we would be a little bit more concerned about what happens after we're 70 or 80 or 90 years old. I mean, is this all there is right here that we experience, or is there something more? And I think deep, deep down in each one of us, we think that there should be some type of accounting. Some type of accounting for those individuals who have done something dirty or evil or nasty or who have hurt us. I mean, there should be some kind of accounting. I mean, we can all identify people like this that we think are going to be held accountable to something. People like Hitler or Stalin or Osama bin Laden. A people who should get what they should get is something coming to them. 
It's not right. It's not fair if these people just kind of walk scot-free. You know, 10 years ago in a Gallup poll, uh, they discovered that 85% of all Americans believe in hell. In other words, they believe in some type of judgment. But only 3% believed that they were going. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? 85% all believe in it. They just don't think they're the one. Someone else is going, but not me. Now, the segment of this creed concludes by kind of giving a summary of God's plan. And the first step of what God is planning is this. A new forgiveness. A new forgiveness. Now, spring is a time in which the land often has kind of been you know, forgiven over the winter and there's a sense of freshness that's coming there. And every single person that I know of, whoever does any type of landscaping uh, in their uh, home or outside their home, any kind of landscaping for their yard, they use one item. Do you know what that item is? Mulch. Everybody uses mulch. And why do we use mulch? So we don't have to pick what? Weeds. We hate weeds. They look horrible, so we buy mulch. And we go to Walmart or Meyer or some nursery and we buy just tons and tons and tons of bags of mulch. And the whole point of mulch is really not so much to make you know, your yard look better, although that happens. But it is to cover the weeds. It's to cover all of the weeds. Mulch is great because it covers everything that's underneath it. Whether it's a grassy weed or a leafy weed or one of those prickly weeds. Don't you hate those? You get down and kind of get something in your finger. I mean, but it covers all of that. And that's the purpose of mulch, to cover weeds. Now listen closely. The Bible says that Jesus, God's one and only Son, the second person of the Trinity, that what Jesus did on the cross sufficiently covers all of our sins. Every single wrong that you've ever done in your life is covered. From God's perspective, when He looks down at our lives, and there's a lot of weeds in our lives, when He looks down, all He sees is mulch. And the mulch kind of represents the blood of Jesus Christ, that He died on the cross for everything, and when He looks down, there's no weeds that He sees. But some of you, I know this morning, are probably saying that's not enough. You don't know me very well. I mean, I've got one big, gigantic weed. It's like just bursting out everywhere. How can it ever be covered? There's not enough mulch. There's not enough of God's forgiveness to kind of cover that. Well, look at what God says. In Jeremiah 31, 34, He says this, I will forgive their evil ways and remember their sins, what? No more. no more. 
Friends, I don't know if you know this about God, but God suffers from amnesia when it comes to your sins. Once you come to Him and you ask for forgiveness, He doesn't remember it. It's gone. Whether that sin seems to you to be unforgivable or not, when you say you're sorry and you ask for forgiveness and you turn yourself towards Christ, His sacrifice on the cross is sufficient. He brings a new forgiveness. And it's a wave of forgiveness that covers all of the weeds of our life. And then God remembers them no more. He has amnesia when it comes to your sin. So today I want to say if there is something in your life that you have asked for forgiveness, but you haven't forgotten about it, you need to because God already has. You need to let it go and move on with what He wants you to do. Now I know for some of you this still isn't enough, so you need a little bit more evidence. And so you can look at Psalm 103.12, which says this, As far as the east is from the west, that's how far sin gets removed. And then one of my favorite scriptures is in Micah 7.19, which says this, God will throw all your sins into the depths of the ocean. In other words, He just buries it there in the depths of the ocean. You know, this over the past few weeks, there's been this huge oil spill that's been taking place. And the way that they were going to cover it is they were going to take this huge thing and kind of go over the oil kind of rig that's kind of splurting all this out. Well, you know, it's like... Tons and tons and tons of work to get something to go down that far. And there are places in the ocean depths that we have never even gotten to as people. And you know what? God puts your sin at that deepest ocean depth that no one can ever do. And then He puts up a sign and says, no fishing. Don't dredge it up. Don't bring it back up. Again, I've already forgotten it. But... This new wave of forgiveness is given by God. But it's given with a sense of some responsibility. And the responsibility is this. The Bible says this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Folks, just as God has forgiven you, He wants you to forgive other people. God says, cut some other people some slack. I've given you tons of slack. Why don't you give other people some slack? You forgive others, and I will then forgive you. This is a true fact. You will never have to forgive anyone, anyone, as much as God has forgiven you. And since God has given you this new forgiveness, He wants you to pass it on. Don't be selfish, but pass on forgiveness. And you know the only way that you learn to forgive? You know how you learn to forgive? Trick question. Forgive! That's the only way that you get better at forgiveness, is you do it over and over and over and over again. When you learn to forgive other people, God says, I can forgive you more fully, and you understand things in a greater way. 
Now, I realize that some of you are saying today, well, Chris, I just can't do it. It's too much. There is one person who has hurt me so bad, I could never forgive them. And you know what? You're right. You can't. You, in your own strength and your own power, you can't do it yourself. You need the power of Christ. You need someone greater than you. And with it being Mother's Day, today I have a feeling that there are a couple of us, maybe, who've got some issues with our parents. Maybe with our mom. And why don't you just let it go today? Whatever it is, how painful, how difficult it is, just let it go. You forgive them and you go on. doesn't mean you have to trust them at the same level, but you forgive them. And for you moms there, maybe you have a kid or two who just has disappointed you and hurt you enough that there's some separation. Why don't you forgive them? Because this new wave of forgiveness that Christ brings to us and desires us to give is only unleashed when we forgive other people. You know, it baffles my mind to think of a concept in which there is complete forgiveness. Total, complete forgiveness for everything and anything you've ever done. But the reality is, that's the only kind of forgiveness God gives. And He has the authority to forgive everything. And we need then, in the same light, to forgive and, com- and receive the complete reconciliation of God. Now, this act of forgiveness is amazing. But that's not all there is. You ever watch one of these infomercials, either at night or early in the morning, and the guy, you know, is selling something, and then he goes, but wait, there's more, there's more, there's so much more. And then they try to give you 14 other items, and you get it, and half of them are trash once they get to your, you know, doorstep. Well, unlike that, there's more. And that's kind of the second step in God's summary in His plan for your life. And that is a new people. A new people. So a new forgiveness, and He wants to give a new people. The Bible says this, The truth is that Christ has been raised from death as a guarantee that those who sleep in death will also be raised. For just as death came by means of man... In the same way, the rising from death comes by means of a man. For just as all people die because of their union with Adam, and that's Adam and Eve, in the same way, all will be raised to life because of their union with Christ. But each one will be raised in proper order. Christ first of all, then at the time of His coming, those who belong to to him. What this scripture is saying is the resurrection of our physical bodies is the fulfillment of your salvation. And until that moment comes, God is not done with you yet. Even though your bodies have died, he's still not done with you. You see, when Adam and Eve came onto the scene, 
God told them that you can eat anything in paradise in this garden except one thing, this particular fruit from the tree of knowledge. And what do Adam and Eve do? They eat it, right? And from that moment on, there was no longer this sense of paradise, but death entered the world. And before that, though, there was no death. And since that time, every single human being has died and stayed dead. Except for one. And that's Jesus Christ. And with Jesus' resurrection, because He was fully God and fully human, all of a sudden, God started this whole thing all over again. He created what the Bible calls a second Adam. There was Adam who He created at the beginning, and then when Jesus came and He rose again, there was a brand new species that He was creating. Resurrected people. People who were not going to stay in the grave, but there was physical resurrection. Now stay with me. In a great book called Simply Christian, there's a guy by the name of N.T. Wright. And this is what he talks about with uh, about resurrection in his book, Simply Christian. He says this, Resurrection doesn't mean going to heaven when you die. It isn't about life after death. It's about life after life after death. After you die, you go to be with Christ, life after death. But your body remains dead. Describing where and what you are in the interim period is difficult, and for the most part, the New Testament writers don't try. Call it heaven, if you like, but don't imagine that it's the end of all things. What is promised after the interim period is a new bodily life with God's new world. Life after, life after death. You see, what N.T. Wright is talking about in this is a new people. This hasn't happened yet, folks, but one day it will. You see, when you die, you immediately go and you are with Christ if you have surrendered your life to Him. But your body remains asleep. And the Bible says this, that every single one of us that dies, we long to be clothed in a body. Folks, dying with Jesus is not the whole point. Most of us live a fearful life about death. And we think that what all it means is, is if you come to Christ, then, whoo, it's like, Scotty, beam me up, you're right into heaven. And that's it. And you're saved. You know, that's how they do it down south. You're saved. It scares people and everybody runs up and they're like, oh, saved from what? Well, it's not saved from what, it's saved to whom? But it's about heaven. It's not just about going to heaven, but it's about heaven coming to earth. And for you to live an abundant life, not once you get to heaven, but right now. And you see, if you surrender to Christ, you can experience that now. You see, we get to experience the power and the presence of Jesus. Not once we get to heaven, but you can experience it right now. One day in the future, there's going to be a physical resurrection of your bodies. 
Some of you should be excited about that. I mean, all those ab equipment that you bought, you're going to be ripped, you know, in this next slide. Now, let me be honest with you. I don't know how it's going to happen. I think most pastors who come and try to say this is exactly the way it's going to be, they're liars. Because they don't know. They don't know how it's going to be. I don't know if there's like this DNA that is connected to your soul. Or perhaps God can recreate your body from just one molecule, one piece of dust from your great, 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 great grandmother, and all of a sudden your whole family is connected. I don't know, but this is what I know. If you remember from science class, does matter ever just go away? It doesn't. Matter can change form, but it never leaves. I read an interesting study a couple of years ago about some scientists from Penn State University in which they successfully sequenced the DNA of a 20,000-year-old woolly mammoth. From, pre, from one prehistoric hair sample. Can you imagine that? Just one hair sample, and they were able to recreate the whole DNA of a woolly mammoth. Or how many of you remember this next picture? You know who that is? Dolly. Remember Dolly? She was actually named after Dolly Parton because of the fact that she was cloned from a mammary gland from another being. Probably the most famous sheep. Doesn't she look excited? But the most famous sheep. And it's just incredible. It's remarkable about what they can do in science. Now, I don't know what would possess someone to spend all their tri- life trying to create that, okay? But, or a woolly mammoth, for that matter. But it's amazing. Now, what does this kind of resurrection kind of look like for you and me? Well, throughout the Bible, there has always been this concept that early believers and Christians, every time they talked about resurrection, they also talked about judgment. And the Bible kind of gives two types of judgments. The first kind of judgment is this, for those in the body of Christ. Christians, judgment for believers, people who have connected with Christ. Those who have surrendered their life to Him. And when we come to Christ, if we've been a follower of Him, the questions that will be asked of us is this. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with all of the gifts that I gave you? What did you do with them? Did you build and grow my kingdom? Or did you just take them and keep them for yourself and not share them with anyone else? You see, I never understand this. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, your eternal destination is taken care of. You don't have to worry about heaven. I talk to people sometimes and they're still fearful. They've been walking. I'm like, what? You don't have to worry about that. If you're a follower of Christ, your eternal destination is not what is judged, but what will be judged is what did you do? And then you receive a reward based upon that. Now, the second type of judgment is for those who reject God. 
those who just turn their back and walk away from him. Now, I want you to know that this whole thing of judgment, I don't like to talk about it, um, especially when it came on Mother's Day. You know, that's kind of like a bummer. Like, couldn't you think of something better than that, you know? But it's a tricky thing. And I think it's important for us to have some understanding of it. Now, I don't know how it's going to work, because I'm not God. But I do know that from reading the Bible, that it's very clear that one day there will be a day of reckoning, that people will be judged. Now, what's important to know in this is not to be fearful, but to know that there is a God full of love who's going to do everything possible to try to get people connected to Him. Romans 10.13 says this, Everyone, who do you think that includes? Everyone. Everyone who calls out to the Lord for help will be saved, will be made whole. How many of you have ever put a piece, uh, a puzzle together before, and you're putting the puzzle together, and you get to the end of it, and what often happens? You're missing a piece or two, right? And there is a piece of your life that can only be made fulfilled through Christ. Nobody else can do that. Now, you might say, well, who's that for then? Just the good people, right? No, what's it say? Everyone. Everyone. Everyone's eligible. No matter who you are, what you've done. So what does, it have, what does a person have to do? Well, the Scripture says what? They have to call out to the Lord for help. What's that mean? It means you come to Him and you ask Him to be real with you. You basically say, you know what? I don't do a very good job of controlling my life. I mess it up pretty bad. So I have to let you be the one to do that. But the only way to escape the wrath of judgment of God one day is you give your life to Him. Now, this is what's amazing. It's one of the most powerful scriptures that I know of, of God's love for you, of Christ's love for you. And it's this. It's in Second Peter. And Peter was one of Jesus' uh, best friends. He said this. The Lord really isn't being slow about His promise to return, as some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish. So He is giving more time for everyone to repent. In other words, to change the way you think. To turn towards Christ. And Jesus' great love for you and for me, even for our, first, or for our worst enemies, He wants everyone not to perish. He doesn't want anyone to do that. It is because He loves us so much that He has delayed Himself from coming. He wants us to experience eternal joy, eternal peace. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Yet even though I don't understand it, the Bible is clear that there are some people that even though He's going to give this freely to you, there will be some people because of free will that choose to walk away and ignore that gift. But it's His desire that everyone would accept His mercy. You know, growing up, uh, I was the baby in my family. And... Um, being the baby is not a bad place to be. 
And the reason is, is because you have some power. You don't realize it, but you do. And with being the youngest in my family, the power that I used was to abuse my brother. Whatever it took. Anytime my brother Tim would do something, I'd run to my mom and dad and I'd go, Hey, look what Tim did. And they'd be like, Tim! And they'd come and they'd do something to him. And sometimes, even when Tim didn't do things, I just had a freedom by being the youngest to make things up, you know, and would tell on it. But every once in a while, we would be far enough away that my loudest shout would not get my mom and dad to come and help me. And on those times, my smart mouth would just get me in more trouble and he'd pounce on me, kind of like a tiger. And I remember him holding me down and he'd just pin me down and he'd go, Mommy and Daddy aren't here anymore. And then he'd say, Say it! Say it! Guess what he wanted me to say? Mercy. Some guy up here said uncle. That's a good one too, but... Mercy. And mercy came after a minimal pounding. Now this is the thing with mercy that you need to know. God's mercy is not there to keep us down, to pin us down, but it's actually to pick us up and to give us freedom. That's what mercy is all about. You deserve one thing, but He wants to give you a free gift of His forgiveness. That's what mercy is. And the Bible says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. You know, sometimes when I look at my life and the way that I treat people or the things that I say to folks, or sometimes when I think about the world around me and some of the pain and hurt that people are experiencing, when I get so self-absorbed in me and my own world and it's all about Chris, I'm often reminded and so grateful that God's mercies are new every morning. Every single morning, His mercies are new. Here's the final step of God's plan. A new world. A new world. Paul, the guy who wrote over half of the New Testament, continues on in the first letter that we looked at in 1 Corinthians. And he says this, Then the end will come. Christ will overcome all spiritual rulers, authorities, and powers, and will hand over the kingdom of God, the Father. For Christ must rule, just as He is right now, until God defeats all enemies and puts them under His feet. The last enemy to be defeated will be death itself. You see... God never intended to abandon planet Earth. Instead, His plan is to remake it, to make it brand new. A world of resurrected bodies where there's no more pain, no more hurt, no more sadness, no more death. Because He wants a brand new creation, a new world. He wants to restore it. And so there's a new forgiveness, a new people, and a new world. Now, I have a feeling that many of you probably are asking right now, now, Bunch, why is this so important? 
And why did you pick Mother's Day to talk about this? Well, I can't think of a better day to talk about the greatest gift than of Jesus Himself and that He will come back. I mean, why is this important to my life today? I mean, how does this help me when I've lost my job? How does this help me when I've gone through a divorce? How does this help me when I've filed for bankruptcy? How does this help me when my mom isn't talking to me? Or how does this help me when my kids aren't helping to me? Or whatever your story is. And the reason it's good for me to talk about this today is because of this. First of all, it should remind us that this whole thing called life is not meaningless. Your life is not meaningless. It's not random. Folks, it's not about craziness and chaos and just trying to get through the day. It's not about pain and hurt. But there is someone bigger and greater than you and I, bigger than our pea brains, who has something great in store for us. And in that plan, He has a purpose. It's not simply about checking off the calendar for the next day. A second thing that it does is it reminds us that I have a responsibility to please God. I have a responsibility to please God. Today, many of you will try to do some certain things to please your mom. You'll buy a card, you'll buy flowers, you'll get a gift, but you'll do something to try to please them. And let me just suggest that the greatest thing you could do to please your mom is to live a life that pleases God. For some of you today, that thing that you could do is give your life to this one who loves you and who has great plans for you, the one who knows you best and loves you most. For others of you, it might mean that you would go to the back and you'd pick up a Bible today and a reading plan. You'd say, you know what, I'm actually going to start giving it a try. We can show you how to do that. For others of you, it might be picking up a CD with uh, Christian music. For others, it might be taking some time just in silence to connect with God one-on-one and pray. It might be serving here at the jar. It might be getting connected in a community cookout. But whatever it is, for some of you, do it today. And for some of you, it might be making things right with your mom. But whatever you need to do, commit to living a life that pleases God. Here's the last thing. It reminds me that I have a responsibility to share God's story. I have a responsibility to share God's story. The fact is, folks, that one day, Christ will return. And it's not something to be fearful of, but it's something that we should give our lives to. You see, the whole point of the Christian story is that there is a beginning, there is a middle, and there is an end. There isn't one of these just experiences that you have and, you know, you fly away. But it is a story that is responsible. You know, I was just thinking about it today, or throughout this week, that if there was a truck 
barreling down on you. How much hate would I have to have in my heart not to tell you that that truck was coming? Not to warn you, not to tell you. That'd be a lot of hate. And in the same way, folks, I've been thinking in my own life, not that you have to be a Bible beater and Bible beater and you know just rip on people and come to Jesus. But it's so important for us to invest in other people's lives. Because when we do that, we share God's plan. A plan of new forgiveness, of new life, and of one day a new world where we will be in the presence of Christ. You know why I know this life is not meaningless or random? It's because six years ago, there were six people who met in my home. Those six people, some knew God, some didn't know God. But we started living in community together. And finally, God blessed it a little bit more, and we got number seven and eight. And then when we got to number 16, we kicked that person out. Not really, I'm joking. Well, we just kept on trying to learn about this new forgiveness, that we wanted to be a new type of people, a new kind of world to our community. And as we did that, we've seen lives change. Lives changed in this place. Your life was changed when your mom brought you into this world. But the greatest changed lives are not those that stay with mommy, but who give themselves open to the, to the God of the universe and say, as for me and my house, we'll please you and we'll share your story. Let's stand for closing prayer. God, you know that today was a, a hard teaching for me to kind of do. I'm sure it was hard for people to listen to a lot of, probably more questions than anything else. Maybe confusion even. And I pray right now through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would just come. And that you would bring to mind just one thing to each person in this place. That you are asking them to do to follow you more. For some it may be this forgiveness piece. For others, God, it might be Realizing that there will be a day that will come and we will stand before you. And God, that maybe there are some things in our life we just need to kind of get taken care of. Not because we're fearful, but because we want to honor you. And God, maybe for some of us, it's realizing that I really do want to have a home in heaven with you.
And today might be that day. The greatest thing you could do to please your mom is to give your life to God today. Just say, God, forgive me of my sins. I turn to you. I accept you in my life. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for calling me your child. As best as I know, I will live for you. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the day in which we can celebrate with our moms and celebrate that we have a Lord and God who is not dead in a grave somewhere, but he is alive and well, and he gives us that same promise. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place. If you'd like prayer for anything, come on up.